sooner or later, most travelers see the wonders of Paris, and many of us make a habit to go back all our lives. In fact, I'll never tire of Paris. The problem? We overlook the sites nearby, in the shadow of Paris. Right now, we're joined by two French tour guides, Elisabeth Van Hest and Antoine Bonfils, and we're going to talk about the wonders of the area around Paris, sites within about an hour or so from the great city. Elizabeth and Antoine, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Antoine, if you were um, hosting a visitor to come to Paris as a guide and they wanted to see four or five attractions near Paris, outside of the city, without describing them, just to name them, what would they be? Well, I would bring them to Giverny, Mm -hmm. mainly. Closer to Paris, some place which is Parc de Saint-Cloud. Parc de Saint-Cloud. You can have an overview of Paris from the the, the garden. It's magnificent, and it's within 15 Mm. minutes out of Paris. Nice. And, uh, of course, Versailles, Mm -hmm. mainly because of the garden, and I love outside gardens. And uh, Volvicomte, perhaps. Volvicomte is sort of the um, connoisseur's chateau outside of Versailles. Everybody goes to Versailles, and Volvicomte is another example of a great chateau. Yes, that provocated the jealousy of the king, uh, Louis XIV. So Louis XIV saw how cool Volvicomte was, and he wanted his guys to build Versailles even better. Yeah. Wow. Now, Elizabeth, when we talk about France, we hear the term Ile de France. What does that mean? Well, exactly it will mean Island of France. And that is very strange for a part of France in the middle of the country. But you could consider it as surrounded by little streams and rivers. Mm -hmm. But it is also in the way that it is the cradle of the French kingdom. It was in Ile de France, a bit north of Paris, where... In 987, if I'm right, Hugues Capet was elected King of France, and he will start the very important monarchy of the Capetian kings. So this really is the heartland of France. And I think a lot of us forget when we look at France today, which is about the size of Texas or something that it is, they're not all like waving their French flags all through history. They had to be coerced into becoming French people. And even today, there's this feeling of the people in the Ile-de-France and then the people out in the Provence. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. When you speak about Parisians, we are a little bit different from all the other French people. Elizabeth von Hest and Antoine Bonfils are our Paris experts right now, and they're inspiring us to allow a few days to enjoy some fun on day trips outside the city next time you're visiting Paris. What kinds of adventures near Paris do you recommend? We're at 877-333-7425, and by email, it's radio at ricksteves.com. Avalyn's calling in right now with her Paris day trip recommendations from Nashville. Hi, Avalyn. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, do you have a, what is your favorite day trip from Paris? My most favorite trip that we've ever taken from Paris has been out to Vaux. You mean the Chateau Vaux-le-Vicomte? Yes, yes, it is absolutely magnificent. A lot of people don't even know about Vaux-le-Vicomte. What's so good about it? Well, to me, it is everything that Versailles has to offer, just in a smaller, more intimate setting and with a lot fewer crowds. <laughs> it's amazing, the crowd differences. I was just there uh, filming a few months ago, and we were fighting the crowds at Versailles, and then we went to Vaux, or Vaux-le-Vicomte, and it was like, where are all the people? And, you know, Versailles got a lot of history, and it's probably got more square footage, but Vaux-le-Vicomte is like, ah. I mean, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, what's your take on Vaux-le-Vicomte? Well, there wouldn't be Versailles without Vaux-le-Vicomte because it was a kind of a revenge. Huh? The king uh, discovered Vaux-le-Vicomte because his minister, Colbert, said, just check on that other minister of you, Nicolas Fauclin, who is building that magnificent house. He does it with your money. 
And so he organized a very big party in August 1661, and uh, he saw that, in fact, his uh, minister, Nicolas Fouquet, had a more beautiful house than he had. He was serving at the royal table on golden plates. Mm. And, of course, Louis was very, very upset. You don't want to show up the king, especially Louis. Exactly. Uh, in trouble. Now, now, Fouquet was, Nicolas Fouquet was a, a banker, wasn't he? He was sort of a, a sort fun, financier. Well, we would call him uh, Ministre des Finances. Oh, yeah. And he was thinking that he was going to get the position of Mazarin, the okay. prime minister. But he was filthy rich. Yes, but he was also clever to find a, a good system to get more money to fill the treasury of the state. Okay, and so we, uh, this is there's always fascinating parallels today to people who have their fingers on the the banking in this exactly. day and age, and that they had it back then, and they didn't have places to stash their money as easily, so they would build these extravagant palaces. And Nicolas Fouquet, he assembled what was called considered like the dream team. Three guys. Yes. Can you talk about yes. that? Yes, he uh, he was very much involved in art, very interested. And he found the architect Louis Leveau, uh-huh. and he found the painter Charles Lebrun, uh-huh. and the garden architect André Lenotre. So these were the greatest garden architect, the greatest painter, and the greatest architect together. Voilà, famous trio. And Evelyn uh, in Nashville, you saw the result of that dream team, didn't you? Oh, it is fabulous. It's just breathtaking. And twice a month on the Saturdays, they run the fountain for mm-hmm. about three hours. So if you time the trip just right, you can actually see the fountains, and it's just spectacular. And did you also see the candles at night, the candle show? No. Oh, Unfortunately, we weren't able to be there that Saturday night, but I've seen pictures, and it looks spectacular Yeah, as well. very romantic. Evelyn, thanks for your call. Oh, thank you. Bye now. Joanne's calling in from West Falls, New York. Joanne, thanks for your call. Hi. What's your favorite side trip from Paris? Um, I took my 17-year-old granddaughter in the summer of 2012, and we stayed for two weeks in an apartment and really got into living in Paris. And we, by ourselves, we did really well. Um, We took the train to Versailles and spent the whole day there. We could have spent more time. Now, you spent a day out at Versailles. How was that, dealing with the crowds and and the overwhelming art and history all around you? Um, Sometimes it was a little annoying because you want to get a little closer, and um, there are some people, some tourists that don't. They're not very savvy in etiquette, <laughs> put it right. that way. That's a polite but, way to put it. But uh, you know what? You just go with the flow because that's, you, you know ahead of time that you're going to have crowds. In, in Versailles, going with the flow is a literal thing. I mean, once you oh, step yeah. into that palace, it is a human river, and you hardly, exactly. if you can find a little eddy, that's a good thing. Unless you go at the end of the day. Yeah, that's good. In fact, we were there filming, and uh, we were there at the very end of the day, and it's fun when they're just mm. pushing the last people out of the Hall of Mirrors. You can have it exactly. to yourself a little bit. Antoine, what would you advise for people enjoying Versailles? Yeah, because you're talking about the crowd and all these people mass, massing there to visit the place, I would suggest that you try the market on Sunday morning, which is a beautiful market they have there. I used to go there every weekend on my bicycle. And then you can have... Uh, there's an itinerary that allows you to visit the city itself. So all We're the, talking about Versailles? Versailles, yeah. So they have a good market on Sunday morning. Beautiful one, with all the products from uh, farms around the, the place. A lot of people forget Versailles. There is a city at Versailles, which is quite charming. Yeah, it's mainly rich people who live there. We call mm-hmm. them the Versailles. It's a bit snobbish people, I would mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. but so very well-dressed, and the market is very elegant on Sunday morning. Plus, once again, the city itself has 
beautiful buildings, old buildings from the 17th, 18th century, and uh, it's very well indicated all over the place. And I believe that on Sunday in season, they run the fountains at the park around Versailles also. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you can pay to get into the gardens and yeah, skip the Yeah, you could make a just, good combination, mm. go to the market, then you run into the park, That's because it. the Trianon, the hamlet, which I recommend because it's the most romantic part of Versailles and well, reminding of uh, Mary Antoinette. Well, that opens at 12 o'clock. So once you have seen that, you go back to the chateau and you could even uh, pass through the gardens where about 3, 3.30, the uh, fountains are on. And just before closing time, you can walk through the palace. So we should remind our listeners that Versailles is sort of the palace of palaces in Europe, the other palaces of other royal... You know, back then, people really believed in divine monarchs. I mean, God said, this guy gets to rule me without question. And if you're going to be a divine monarch, you better have an impressive house. And Louis would build the biggest house. I think he spent half a year of the entire income of the biggest and wealthiest country in Europe, France, to build this palace. He rerouted rivers, literally, to power the fountains. And uh, this is a, a chance for us travelers to go there and get a sense of the extravagance the royalty did that led to the French Revolution. And we can tour the palace. And then uh, the other half that Elizabeth was mentioning is the amazing gardens. And in a way, the, the king would leave the Palace of the Louvre, which before it was a museum, was a palace, to get out into the hunting lodge in Versailles. Louis turned that into a, a lavish, grand, uh, sprawling palace. And then they needed to escape even further. Talk a little bit about that phenomenon, Elizabeth. Well, first of all, Louis XIV, of course, built Versailles because he did it also for a political reason. He wanted to be outside of Paris where there could be riots, and he had this experience in his minority when he was young. And second, he wanted to have all the nobles, Mm. people who could be involved in the government, uh, he wanted to have them with him. So he needed a very big chateau. So he he controlled the Rockefellers and the Kennedys, and he sort of he made them be gamblers and gamers and stuff, just so they could. Exactly, he wanted to make order. He wanted to dominate everything. Mm -hmm. And now you can understand why Louis XIV appreciated the French gardens à la française, where nature is dominated by man. And he loved his gardens. He even wrote a little booklet, How to Visit My Gardens. Really? And, yes. and by having incredible gardens, he was controlling nature, making it really clear that he was above mortals. He was divine. Yes. Louis Fourteenth. Joanne, thanks for your call. Okay, thanks. Bye now. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about side trips from Paris. And our email address is radio at ricksteves.com. Ray in Burbank has emailed us, and she says... Uh, Chartres is a a wonderful side trip from Paris, and uh, she enjoyed the cathedral there. And Rebecca called in from Manhattan Beach in California and wanted to know about Euro Disney as a day trip. And, uh, you know, Euro Disney is kind of like Disneyland in in America, but you can drink wine. I guess that's the big difference. Oh, uh, yes. (laughs) Mickey Mouse, I suppose, speaks French. It took a while, but they decided, yeah, you can take wine in the cafeterias, in the restaurants. Disneyland is just a 45-minute train ride from downtown Paris. Is it popular with French kids? Oh, yes, certainly. Yeah, oh, big yes, deal. yes, Very yes. Big deal. And many families, they go there for a weekend. They spend a night there, and then they have two days. So it must be an American fantasy for a French family to go out to Euro Disney. And, you know, for years, uh, we were traveling with our little kids. So Paris was the end of the trip, and if the kids were good for the whole trip, mm-hmm. we'd treat them with a trip to Euro Disney. Disney. I don't think I ever took our kids to California Disney, but they went to Euro Disney several times, and it works just as well. Antoine, Ray mentioned going out to Chartres. What's your take on the Chartres Cathedral? Is that worth counting in on a, as a great side trip from Paris? Well, once again, I'm going 
talk about my use because I used to do the pilgrim there from Paris. So it was in two days, 80 kilometers by walking. So it was not that pleasant memory for me. But I, I went back there recently and then I can enjoy the magnificent, of course, vitraux, the, the stained glass stained windows. windows. The stained glass windows and the carving is some of the best from the Gothic age. And when you were coming in as a, as a pilgrim, I have this romantic image of a pilgrim walking across the fields, seeing the spire in the distance. Did you see the spire, or was it too modern now and there's buildings in the way? Yeah, no, 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 you can still uh, see it, but in my memories it was more painful, and I didn't have much time for your very nice <laughs> romantic picture image. you just made. I was just waiting for it to stop. But in short, you can make your, your own stained glasses. They offer you to make them on your own. They have a little uh, workshop there, so I think it's a good uh, way to introduce people to this uh, artisanat. Nice. You can have a hands-on experience making a stained glass window when you go to Chartres. Voilà. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about side trips from Paris. We've talked about the great cathedral in Chartres. We've talked about the wonderful sort of uh, inspiration of Versailles in some ways, Volvicomp. Of course, Versailles is the palace of palaces. We didn't talk about Fontainebleau. Fontainebleau is an amazing palace where you've got many different kings leaving their footprint and even Napoleon. I think perhaps mm-hmm. the best Napoleonic sightseeing you can have anywhere is at the palace he enjoyed, Fontainebleau. Exactly, because Napoleon called Fontainebleau the house of the centuries. Since, uh, you see, when you go to Versailles, you speak about Louis XIV, maybe about his success, Louis XV, Louis XVI, but about the Bourbons. Fontainebleau covers the whole monarchy of France. And so it was not attributed to one particular king, and every king built another wing of the palace. It's a bit like a patchwork, and they transformed inside a decoration. So it's a, it's a wonderful place to visit and to enjoy different styles in just one building. It really is. It's the sweep of French history from a monarchy point of view, culminating with Napoleon. Antoine Bonvis and Elizabeth Van Hest, thanks so much for sharing some ways that we can take a great trip to Paris and make it even better by enjoying a few side trips. Merci à vous. Thank you, and au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for France, Paris, Provence and the Riviera, and Rick's French phrasebook. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for France and beyond, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.